Welcome! You're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thanks again for joining us. Well, good morning, church family. I'm Barrett Bowden, one of the pastors here, and I am incredibly grateful to have you this morning. This morning, we have the opportunity to continue our series, Better Together. Are y'all ready? I'm thrilled to be back uh, teaching this morning, and honestly, you guys, I think one of the the things that we're going to be doing this morning is potentially uh, one of the most important topics, I believe, of our entire series together. In this series, what we've been doing is working to kind of understand the role and the relevancy of the church today. We've been talking about church all summer long, right? And there's a lot of things that come up when we think about church. And one of the things we learned at the very beginning of this series is that the church is not a what, but a who. The right question is not what is the church, but who is the church? And the answer is we are, right? But as we've been looking at um, this, having this conversation together about the church, which is not only a conversation we're having locally, it's a conversation because of some of the weirdness of the last years is happening culturally across our community, across the country. And really, as I talk to partners, it's happening across the world. There is um, a really important need for us to talk together about the questions that come up as it relates to church. And hear us say this as an elder team this morning. We're having this series to invite conversation around what the Bible teaches about the church, because we genuinely believe that the questions that are being asked are legitimate questions. We at ICC want to be a safe place for you to journey toward God and to journey toward His Word. We want to be a place where you feel comfortable to ask hard questions, to challenge, to really go, help me understand, because I don't know that I want to just take that at face value. And what we've been trying to do in this series is to actually unpack these questions and to open up the Word so that we don't just end up in a place where we're just maintaining traditions, but that we are people that can hold true convictions and together find unity on the convictions that we are believing in according to what we believe, sincerely believe to be true in God's Word. Well, this morning, the question that we're going to be asking is this. Is commitment to the church really necessary? Is commitment to the church really necessary? Now, another way we could ask it is this. Can I be a part of the church without membership? I thought about asking you to raise your hands this morning if you identify with this question, but I decided that I don't want to do that because I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But here's what I know. You can raise your hand on the inside, and I see you. I see you. Okay, good. Um, I truly believe that there are a lot of us who probably have either one of two things, either asked this question ourselves or have been asked this question by another person. If you are already a committed part of our church or any church this morning, or if you're already a member, I don't want you to tune out and go, oh, this message is not for me. He's talking to somebody else. Because what I'm wondering is, 
do any of us really know how to sit down and have a legitimate conversation with, whether it's with you or with someone that's approaching you about this topic? I genuinely believe, actually, I statistically know that this question is being asked more today than any other point, at least in the United States history, according to data that we collect. Can I be a part of the church without actually committing to a local church, without actually becoming a member? Here's why I believe this is so important. Like I said, statistically, I can prove this. Culturally, right now, we are experiencing a shift. Church membership, just objectively, just read uh, Gallup. Church membership is on the decline. Recent Gallup poll, this was this spring. Headline news, March 29th, 2021. U.S. church membership falls below majority for the first time. In fact, if you look at the data lines, and I've got them here for you, what you can see is, for the first time ever in United States history, according to research, we have now fallen below the 50% threshold. Less than 50% of all adults in the United States are actually saying that I am a committed part of a church. Now, again, I'm not one that is a fear mongerer. I'm not putting this up there saying, oh no, I'm afraid of this, and I'm asking you to be afraid of this and all this. This is just reality. And what I'm saying is, I know that there are people in this room who are either asking this question or have been asked this question because more and more people are backing out of a convictional place that membership, commitment to a church is actually all that important. And interestingly, it's actually falling, if you go to the next slide, uh, across different generations. You may not can read this, but the green line is traditionalist, the, the blue solid line is baby boomers, the little dotted line there is Gen X, and the little red dotted line on the right is millennials. And so we're seeing that it's not just, oh, all these young people, nobody wants to be in church. It's really actually happening across different generations. This is a question that needs to be wrestled with. And maybe today you're wrestling with it, and what I wanted to do is try to help you. Now, as I look at this data, one of the things pastorally that I'm asking is why. As we see this decline, I think we've got to ask the question why. Now, I, I think there can be several reasons for it. Um, one of the things that I'm noticing, we're noticing pastorally in our culture uh, today is there is a shift in cultural view of commitment in general. To make this heavy topic a little bit lighter, I've picked children's faces to try to portray three cultural attitudes that I see toward the idea of commitment, okay? Hope you enjoy the cute faces. Are you all ready for it? Number one is this. Look at that. I think that many of us, as we approach the idea of commitment, we just feel a little bit shy. We are, we, we step in slowly. And there could be a variety of reasons for that, but I believe that there's many of us today that if you're honest, when you hear somebody calling you to commitment, you, you go, okay, but I'm going to have to tip toe this thing in. Yeah? I think others of us are like this kid. 
skeptical. Right? <laughs> I'm glad you laughed. I was so hoping this would be cute for you. Um, many of us are skeptical, right? And many of us have, honestly, we talked about in the last few weeks some of the institutional distrust. Some of us have been hurt. I, I don't want to ask you to raise your hands if you've ever been hurt by the church or by a church leader or even hurt in any other organization in which you had commitment. And that turned out to be something that actually wounded you rather than was a blessing to you and your perception. And we can be, just be skeptical. We can look at the church as institutional, as big organizational. It, there's money involved. There's seeming power involved. There's political pressures involved as we look at the landscape of the church, and there's cultural things involved, and we, we can just feel skeptical. Anybody identify that? Again, raise your hand on the inside. Yeah? A third reason is this kid here. And what I want to point out here is I think a third reason is that I believe we're seeing growing self-centeredness in our culture. We almost, I think, today have this mindset of, I am my own authority, and there ain't nobody else that I'm putting in authority over me. My commitment primarily is not to somebody else or to some other organization. My commitment is to myself. This is happening in workplaces where literally bosses and employers right now are scrambling to try to keep employees happy because they're scared they're just going to pick up and go somewhere else quickly. This is happening uh, in cultural organizations and politics, and it's also happening within the church. There's almost this mentality that we're all just free agents. And so I maintain myself, <laughs> and I will move myself wherever I please. My commitment is to me. And honestly, I think if we were honest, one of the reasons that we probably feel a little bit skeptical or even just hesitant to make commitments, even to something so good as a church, is because there are pieces of self-centeredness and pride and autonomy in all of us. Raise your hand on the inside. If you match this, these cultural shifts with the membership on decline with church shifts, this is where things get a little hairy. Because in some churches around the United States today, here's what I see happening. Churches have been in a seeker-friendly kind of focus and posture. In other words, we'll do anything and everything we can to get people in the door. If it's Gibson's Donuts, for crying out loud, bring on the Gibson's. I pray we're not that church, although we do have Gibsons today. <laughs> but we will just do what we can do to get the people in. And churches reading people's hesitancy and commitment for the shyness or the skepticism or the self-centeredness are playing into it. And therefore, what we see is, and I've got friends that I know that are in this model, and I've visited churches recently that I have experienced in this model, where literally they have completely done away with membership. There is no such thing as a functional membership. 
So it's just whoever comes, you're welcome, but there's really no commitment to be asked other than just show up. Just keep showing up. And I believe, we believe convictionally that what is happening among churches is a detriment to the cause of Christ and to effective and faithful disciple-making in our time. Because what is happening is not only just a catering to culture, but a weakening of the conviction of how God intends the church to function. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is that if we look at the Scripture to answer the question, what is the answer Is commitment necessary? Can I be a part without becoming a member? I believe the answer is clearly, no, you can't. By God's good design, by God's good design, as we look at the Scripture, what we will see is that He wants for us the very best life imaginable. He desires your good, and He desires His glory. And if we look at how God has designed our lives as faithful followers and disciples, spirit and dwelt believers in Jesus Christ, then we will see that God's intention for us is to always be a committed part of a specific church in a specific place. Let's look at God's Word together. And I don't want to just, again, have you um, believe me and what I say, but I want to have you hear God's Word and what He says. One of the things that we realize as we go, okay, has anybody ever tried to find in the Bible a chapter on church membership? The chapter on becoming a church member, the book of Covenant Commitment 101. Anybody ever try to find it? One of the things you'll realize, it is not there. And so one of the things that becomes difficult for us, right, in answering the questions sometimes in the Bible, is sometimes we get a little lazy. And sometimes we want things just black and white. I want to be able to just flip over my Bible and just read it very plainly. But sometimes it takes study of God's Word and constant intake, right, of allowing our mind to be renewed according to the truth of His Word. That's why I say to you guys pastorally all the time, I want you to read the Bible I don't want you to just read the Bible when you're in church. I want you to read the Bible every day. I want us as a people to be formed by the truth of God's Word. But one of the things we realize when we go to God's Word and we ask this question is this. I'm going to put up a quote from a guy named Sam Amati. And I like this quote a lot, which is, of course, why I'm giving it to you. But he says this, the Bible doesn't simply command us to join a church. It does something far better. It unfurls the relationship between the church and its members with a series of metaphors that shape our identity, and listen to this, and challenge our near constant sinful inclination to individualism, self-sufficiency, pride, and I got thisness. (laughs) I like that phrase. He just made it up. The Bible doesn't simply command us to join a church. You're not going to find that chapter or that book in the Bible, but rather it's something more beautiful. As you look at the pages of the Scripture and you see the picture that God paints for His church, the picture is one of each of us individually as members finding our life, 
our identity, our sense of responsibility wrapped up in this beautiful bride, the bride of Christ, the church local, (laughs) and working against this inclination in our hearts, and I think many of us, as we were talking earlier, we put our hands up to this, right? That sometimes we could be self-centered in how we live our life. This inclination that culturally, you guys, you're going to find a pat on the back. You go you. You be your own authority. You, you be a free agent. But if you look not culturally but biblically at what God calls us to, what He wants to form in our hearts as we are growing in relationship with Him is working against the very things that culture sometimes applauds. People of God are not people who see themselves individualistically, self-sufficiently, pride, or in autonomy. I want to look at quickly at three of these metaphors, um, one of them which was read right before I came up to teach today from 1 Corinthians 12. There's three metaphors that I want to point your attention to to help you understand that the Bible assumes that you know that you are to belong in a committed way to a local church. The first metaphor is this, a body. One of the ways that God describes the church in the New Testament, and the passage, the main passage that we looked at today, is He describes the church as a body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to look back through briefly some of these verses. In verse 12, God says to us, for just as the body is one and has many members, you want to know where we get the word membership for church commitment? It comes from this passage. Just as the body is one and has many members of the body, though many, they're one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. In other words, what God's saying is when you came to Christ, you became, by the Spirit of God and His regeneration in your heart and life, you became part of something bigger than yourself. Individualism is no more. Autonomy and independence is no more. You became a part of this bigger thing, the body of Christ. And he says in verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. In other words, what he's saying is, you cannot live your life as a Christian thinking that you in and of yourself represent the fullness of the body of Christ. You can't live your life as a Christian thinking, well, I can just do this on my own because the body is not just one member. The body is many members, and we are called to be committed, to understand this as our identity and to live it out in our commitments with one another. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, and yet, one body. The passage goes on and on and on, concludes with verse 27, which I think is incredibly important. Let's look at it together. Verse 
Verse 27. You can go on. Now it says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now he's speaking to a church, right? This letter is written to a church at Corinth. So you might go, oh, well, this is just meant to be universal church. Okay, sure, you, you were baptized in the church universally, but in the Bible, the assumption is that you understand that the universal church is always expressed. It's always seen locally. Yes, of course, as we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into a large body of all believers, true believers for all time. But how in the world would you ever actually live in this passage if it weren't for the opportunity to understand it in a specific church, in a specific context? He's saying you. He's writing to a specific people. You, Church of Corinth. And today, he's saying to us, you, ICC, right? You are the body of Christ. Yes, you're individuals, but you're all members. You're all members of this body. Some of you are the spleen. Poor you. Some of you the eyes. Some of you the toes. Really poor you. I'm just messing, okay? But as we look at our own anatomy, we can understand there's all these individual parts, but no individual part is meant to find its identity and even its responsibility on its own. It's laughable to think that an ear would function well just on its own, or that an eye would say to the spleen, I don't need you, or that the spine would say to the brain, oh, I'm good, man. I'll just go. I'm a free agent. I've got this thing. The assumption of the Bible is that you know that you are put into this beautiful, living body, and individually, you are meant to be a committed member of it. So the first illustration we see is that of the body. Second illustration that I want to point you to is the Bible describes the church as a family. As a family. If you've got your Bible, you can flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Here in the Scripture, what we see is that the Bible describes, I hope to come to you soon. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. But I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how you ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and the buttress of the truth. This is a passage that Hoyt actually used to preach out of last week. He's saying, I want you to understand that as you think about the church, like what you're thinking about here is a family. It's the family of God. It's a household. It's also repeated over in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. It says, for 1 Peter chapter 4, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Over and over in the scripture, the Bible uses this illustration, this metaphor of family, to describe the church. Now, how is it that you would understand the analogy of family apart from commitment? Because family is so much more than just something that is on a piece of paper, right? I mean, it's so much more than just me and Michelle, like, signing our, you know, wedding certificate. Oh, we submitted it to the register. That's it. We're going to go our separate ways. 
No, the understanding of family is mutual responsibility. It's commitment to one another. Like, we share life together in a committed way. We call on our family, and, and, and those who have good family and God's good design, we understand that our family members are the people we call on, we, we most rely on. They're the people we, I was just two days ago sitting in the chair of my hair salon, uh, and the girl cutting my hair was telling me about her little niece that just drowned last week down in South Haven. And she was pouring on her heart, and I had the opportunity just to listen and try to care for her. But I was listening to the story of, of what was happening in that family as they all huddled around that gravesite of that tiny little hole, much too small. And I was listening to her basically describe the nearness and the closeness of family in such time of tragedy. Those are the people that you do gravesides with. Those are the people that you do celebrations with. Those are the people that you do life with. Those are the people that you call that come in crisis. Those, it, that sense of family, right? What God is saying to us is part of belonging to Christ is understanding that He has now put you in a household. He's put you in a new family. There's none of us that don't have family now. We have become family for one another. So one of the basic things you have to understand, one of the core pieces of identity that you have to embrace is that you're no longer a Lone Ranger Christian. You are called to be committed as a member of the family. Not just on paper, but an actual relationship, the way that you work out relationship with other believers in a specific place is to be that of family, which implies commitment. The third metaphor that I want to point your attention to, we talked about the body, we talked about the family, but the third metaphor is that of a temple. In the Scriptures, we see passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. That says to us, do you not know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God, God's Spirit dwells in you? In other words, as we think about that picture the picture is, we know, right, in the Old Testament, there were these places where, like, God's presence dwelt. And people would pilgrimage to these places to worship and to make things right with God through b believing upon sacrifice. And, and they would spend time in the nearness of God in these, these places called temples. And one of the core things that changes in us as believers the Bible says, do you not know? A core piece of your identity that has to shift is you have to recognize that when you come to Christ, God remakes you into his dwelling place. You become the temple of the living God. It's amazing. It's staggering. You no longer have to pilgrimage to some place. God chooses to take up residence within you by his spirit. But this is not just a solo thing because if you go over to passages like 1 Peter chapter 3, 2, excuse me, as you come to him, Peter says, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What is Peter saying? What he's saying is, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, but it's also dwelling in others. And together, when you come together, it's almost like God is putting your stone 
Philip, next to Clara's stone, next to AJ's stone, and I could keep going down the line, but we're all being built together as a church. We belong together. And through that commitment to one another, God is doing something wonderful. He is making His presence known to us and to the world through His people. And He sees us as a spiritual, a spiritual house, a, a kind of dwelling place, a temple, a new temple. So, as we look at the images of the body and of the family and of the temple, if I was sitting with you at Starbucks, which I would love to do, by the way, that'd be fun, but if we were hanging out and having coffee and you were asking me, I, I just don't understand this whole, like, church membership thing. Like, why is that such a big deal? What I would say to you is, okay, Let's look at some of these passages, and I want you to explain to me how does this work out if you're not committed to a local church? How does this actually work out in your life? How do you live in the assumption of these things, that you are to be one member out of many, that you are to be a committed, relational person with other members of the family of God, that you are to be a stone that God is laying beside other stones as He is building up a new temple for the dwelling place of His presence and the manifestation of His glory to a lost world that needs to know Him. How do you work those out apart from an express commitment to a local church? And the answer is you can't. You can't. So one of the things that I want to look at here is just to real quickly as I close this morning, I, I want to talk to you briefly about two implications that I see here as we study the Scripture. One is this changes identity, and the other is changes our responsibility, okay? Let's start with identity. If we look at membership and we look at the identity, here's some things that happen. As you look at the Bible, number one, what you see is this. Committed membership with a specific church in a specific place is biblical. In fact, if you look at all the letters in the New Testament, they're all written to specific people in specific places. Don't go taking something that was written to a specific church in Corinth and tell me that that is written for a universal church and not a local church because the very place that you're proof texting from is written to a local church. Over and over in the Bible, there are local churches that are identified as the true church of God. So if we look at this whole concept of committed membership, the assumption is that as a Christian, wherever you are, in whatever season of life you're in, and for however long you are there, that you need as a believer, it is good and important and biblical for you to find a place to work out your commitment to Christ <laughs> and your life with Him in the context of community in a committed way, community with other believers. Second, our Christian life has vital connection to our local church. In fact, you cannot functionally carry out the commands of Christ unless you are a committed member of a local church. For instance, how do you get to Hebrews 13 and get to a point where you read the passage and it says, I want you to be humble and submitted to those that God has put over you in a shepherding capacity. 
I want you to listen to them and follow them because they are keeping watch over your souls. How do you, even just with that one command, how do you live that out if you don't have shepherds that you are committed to and they are committed to you who are truly keeping out watch for your soul? And the answer is you can't live that out. How do you live out Matthew 18 and what we do when a person in the body of Christ, when we're concerned about them and they seem to be going astray and not listening to the voice of God and not caring about the truth of God? How do you live out care and concern for a sheep gone astray? How do I, as a pastor, find, even identify, how do I know when one sheep has gone astray if you're not even among the number that we're counting? You cannot live that out apart from commitment. I could go on and on and on and show you specific places in the Bible where you literally cannot live in obedience to the commands of Christ and the truth of His Word without living in the goodness of God's design to be a committed part of a local church. And third, every believer, every believer needs to be incorporated into a body as one member among many. In other words, what we're saying here is a core piece of your identity to work against pride self-centeredness, autonomy, independence, I got thisness a core piece of working against those things that could develop in your heart is you coming in to relationship with a body and being committed to something more than just yourself. Every one of us is meant to have an identity, not as a lone rager, free agent Christian, but rather as a committed member of a body, of a family, of a household. Okay? This reshapes our identity. But secondly, and I close, it also reshapes our sense of responsibility. It reshapes our sense of responsibility. There's two main things that happen when we understand this in the Bible. Number one is this. It helps us to realize when we are making commitment, called to make commitment to the church, number one, I have responsibility for the health of my church and our shared gospel commitments, not just to myself. So in other words, one of the things that happens is it's not just a new identity, but God is actually calling you by you being told you're part of a body. Now as an ear, you have responsibility to the foot. As a spleen, you have responsibility to the arm. As a spine, you have responsibility to the brain. So there is an actual commitment, an action that we must do if we understand that God's called us to be committed. So now, I don't just show up to church and attend and go, ooh, that was good, I'm going home now to eat my pancakes or whatever. Now, when I come to church, I look around, and what I'm doing is I'm checking on Cody, and I'm, thanks for letting me call you out. I'm looking at him, and I'm going, I don't just want to sit beside you, I want to know you today. I want to care about you today. I, I want to actually check in on you today because your well-being is my well-being. You're my brother, not just a fellow church attender. We are family. We have been made together as one. We are individually members of the same body, and his good is my good. When one part rejoices, all can rejoice. And one part is difficult, all share that difficulty. So we have responsibility for the health of our church and our shared gospel commitments not just myself. But the second one is this. And this is the one that I think many times gets overlooked. 
Because often when we think of church membership, here's what I think people hear. Oh my goodness, they want me to do more. Can I get a witness? Typically when we hear people calling us a church membership, what we hear is they are signing me up and I just don't think I have any more capacity or margin or energy for anything else in my life. I cannot do that. But here's the other piece of responsibility that I think you may miss. And that is becoming a member, a committed member of a church also means that I will have a church taking spiritual responsibility for me. Not only am I called to live something beyond myself, but God is calling a body to actually be a part of what He is doing in my heart and my life for my spiritual good. So not only is He calling me to be committed to them, but He's calling them to be committed to me. And that is an incredible gift of grace in our lives to see the church in this kind of function. Now, under number one, sure, I put a box up. We're talking about things like this. We're talking about showing up, assembling. We're talking about giving. We're talking about evangelizing. We're talking about serving. We're talking about supporting. We're talking about caring. We're talking about as a member, it's an office that God creates for you, participating in decisions. We're talking, and you see this like in Timothy, where the church is getting together and voting for the distribution of funds and widows that need help. We're talking about ensuring that together we're protecting the gospel. We're talking about doing things like Matthew 18 and protecting those who identify with Christ versus those that we cannot rightfully say are His. So all of these things are wrapped up, yes. But under the second one, we're also talking about this. The church is taking responsibility for you. Do you know that shepherds here in this church, including myself, do you know who we pray for every week? Our church membership. Do you know that you, as a committed member of this church, have the opportunity to have specific intercession for you on a regular basis? We keep lists of every time somebody reaches out with a prayer request or concern, that is prayed for in intentional ways on a regular basis. You have people shepherding you. You have people teaching you. You have people discipling you. Like Hebrews says, you have people keeping watch over your soul and looking out for you. You have people to help hold you accountable when you're a knucklehead. And all of us are spiritual knuckleheads time to time. Can I get a witness? You got people that will help to oversee you and your maturity in Christ and your flourishing in Him. Friends, this is a good design of God. So as I close this morning, I'm just going to ask us to consider how we can get together and really pray together for this. Uh, Listen, I know, I know, listen, there are a lot of people here this morning. And I know that there are many of you who are already committed and have even become members of our church or if you're not from our church, a local church. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for you. I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm inviting you to see the goodness of God's design, and I'm inviting you to even have even more identity and sense of responsibility because of the realities of the design of God, the good design of God for your flourishing. 
I believe all of us, even if you're a member this morning, have opportunity to go, God, would you help form a right identity in my mind and in my heart? And would you help me to live with the right sense of responsibility for my brothers and sisters, my fellow body parts and members and, and those who you are forming into your household? And would you help me see the joy, the joy of the church coming alongside of me for the things that you want and that you're doing in my life? All of us have an opportunity to grow in a greater appreciation and surrender to his identity and responsibility that he's given us. If you're not a member of the church, listen, I don't want you to feel bad this morning, like guilty, but I do want you to feel convicted. I, this is not a guilt trip. This is an invitation. I wouldn't, I, I promise you, some of y'all don't know me and you're like, can I trust this guy? I genuinely am telling you, I would not stand here this morning and ask you to sign up to be a part of our church because it helps our numbers or because it's just a traditional thing for you to do. I genuinely am telling you, I truly believe that as believers in Christ, we need the church and the church needs us. We are meant to belong in a committed way to a local body in a specific time and a specific place. And so if you are here and you've already been calling ICC kind of a church home or you're moving that way, I just want to invite you to go ahead and take a next step to just, just commit. Don't be shy. Let's work through your skepticism. It's totally fine. We can work through it. Certainly, I don't want you to be self-centered. God wants more for you than that. And so together, I just want you to invite you to move toward a place where you could be in a posture of saying, yes, I believe this is a good gift of God for me and for others. I believe it's something God wants. In a few weeks, we'll have a membership class called ICC 101. You can keep on the lookout for it. It's the last Sunday of this month. You could come to that or any future one, and we'd love to get that process started. But right now, we're just going to pray. So if you have a few people around you, if you don't, you can move. We're just going to turn to a few people around you right now. And as we close our service today, as we've been doing this summer, we're just going to pray together. There's three main things that I'm asking for your groups to pray for this week. Number one, very simply, I'm asking you to pray that we'll be a church that believes in God's good design, value, and importance of membership, just that we'll embrace this. Number two, it's quite simple. I'm just asking you to pray that we'll all enjoy and experience the privileges of local church membership, those things that the church does in our lives that no one else can do. But then third, I'm asking you to pray that we will also take seriously and even enjoy the responsibilities of membership in a local church. Thank you again for joining us for today's Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis. We want to encourage you to join us in person for worship soon. No podcast can ever replace the good design of God in gathering in person with other believers for worship in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with ICC, you can visit us at iccmemphis.com. As we close, we offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for joining us.